Thank you, ladies. Beautiful music today, wasn't it? Thank the Lord for it. Songs like that bring, bring kind of a peace to your heart in the midst of a busy time, and I'm thankful for them. Well, we're going to hear some wonderful preaching during this event. I'm thankful on Friday uh, after the drama, Dr. Shetler will be preaching for us. And I'm excited about that message. Tomorrow in chapel, Dr. Chapel will be preaching. Pastor will be preaching. And uh, he always uh, seems to hit a home run every time he preaches in chapel. But I'm looking forward to tomorrow, he being able to preach to us as students as well as our guests. And today, Brother Thomas Shepherd. And I'm thankful for Brother Shepherd. It's hard to believe, but a year ago, right now, Brother Shepard was here for our West Coast Up Close. I think we still called it college days back then. <laughs> Seems so long ago. But uh, he was here visiting and making that final decision to come on board with us. And I was thinking about that this week and uh, just kind of the, I don't know, the anniversary of it, I guess, in a way for me. But uh, just hearing from him, I talked to him so many times on the phone about different things here and and then to just sit down with him during uh, those college days last year and uh, really sensing in his heart what God was doing and bringing him here. And my, what a blessing he's been over these last uh, 12 months of him being here as our assistant to the president. And I thank the Lord for his heart for the Lord, his heart for the word of God, and his heart for your generation. And I'm grateful for what he's going to bring to us today. So Brother Shepherd, you come. Let's welcome him to chapel this morning. Praise the Lord. Take your Bibles, if you would, please, today and open up to 1 Samuel chapter number 26 in the Word of God. 1 Samuel chapter number 26 in the Word of God today. And as you find your place here, let me thank all of those who are here with us for West Coast Up Close. I know we've got about 96 to 100 that have already checked in. We want to thank you so much for being here already. And uh, we're looking to really forward to a fantastic week with you. The incredible thing about West Coast Up Close, or many of you, as I do, find yourself still calling it college days. The amazing thing about this week is there's really not a lot of things that we've changed. Today in chapel service, this is what you get five days a week. We always have specials. We always have preaching from God's Word. We always stand for the reading of God's Word. The classes that you're in this week are no different. When you come, you've got these faculty members that stand and and they're teaching you and uh, the food that you get. Uh, we make it a little bit better, but it's still really good. <laughs> when you're at West Coast, we want you to relax and we want you to get here. We want you to attend classes. But most importantly, we want you to pray about where God would have you to attend Bible college. This is a day and age in a culture that we live. It's a very wicked culture. We know that Christ is closer to his return than he has ever been in the history of mankind. In fact, he could come before I finish this message. I hope he doesn't because I'd like to preach this message, but he could come. And we need men and women to stand up and to hold the banner high and to stand on the final authority of the Word of God. We need missionaries. We need youth pastors. We need youth pastors' wives. We need men and women who will stand and sit and play the piano, and we need those who will lead the music. Who's going to do it? For those of you who are visiting this week, we want you to ask questions about West Coast Baptist College. I believe with all my heart that God is moving in this place in a way that I have never seen in my lifetime. I believe that God's hand is upon this generation and that you are going to do great things. 
We can tell you all about West Coast and you can ask questions, but what it really boils down to is finding the will of God for your life. I can't tell you the will of God for your life. I can tell you I'd love to have you at West Coast Baptist College and it would be an honor to teach you an Old Testament or New Testament survey or a uh, homiletics 2 class. I'd love to see you here and I'd love to invest in your life, but ultimately it comes down to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit working and moving in your life. So as you're here and youth pastors, as you're here this week, we want to let you know that we're praying for you and that we're here for you and we're so appreciative that you were here this week. To the student body of West Coast Baptist College, let me say this, to all the freshmen, the sophomore, the junior, the seniors, to all the men who have passed their orals so far and those who came really close, but you'll get it next time. And to all those who are right here in this chapel service, let me just thank you for an incredible semester so far. This is really my first semester teaching full time, but I have heard in leadership team meeting after leadership team meeting, the VPs, Pastor Chapel, and so many other faculty members say that there is a spirit on campus like they've never seen before. And I'm so thankful that we are allowed, my wife is sitting in the back, Carrie and I are allowed to take part in that. And I just want to tell you and commend you, thank you so much for your incredible spirit. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being in classes. Thank you for being used of the Lord. I said it once before and I'm going to say it again. I feel like God's hand is all over you. And that if God was ever going to use a generation to change the culture, it is going to be your generation. So as we come and approach the Word of God, I trust the day that you've come in being spiritually ready to be fed from God's Word, spiritually ready to let God once again work and move in your heart. 1 Samuel chapter number 26, excuse me, would you look at verse number 25, the very last verse here in chapter 26 of 1 Samuel. Look with me at verse number 25. The Bible says this. Then Saul said to David, Blessed be thou, my son David. Thou shalt both do great things and also shalt still prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. This morning, I'd like to preach a message entitled, From Mountaintop to Valley. From Mountaintop to Valley. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, I am so thankful once again to stand and to proclaim your word. But Father, it's not about me today. And it's not about the musicians and it's not about the special music that we've had. Father, we understand as we come in here together that it is all about you. The very name Jesus Christ ought to bring us into a worshipful mode. Father, as the word of God is opened, there is nothing more important right now than us gleaning from your word. Father, I ask, Lord, that you'd help us to put off the worries of yesterday and the concerns of tomorrow. And help us, Savior, to feast on the very meat of your word. Father, I ask, Lord, that you would meet every need in here today. Father, whether it's a college student struggling through a grade, or Father, whether it's someone who's in financial trouble, or Savior, whether it's a high school student here praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? 
Where do you want me to go? What would you have me to do with my life? Father, whatever the case may be, I don't know how to fix it. And I don't have all the answers, but the Word of God does. And it's quick and it's powerful and it's sharp, Savior. So pierce us today. Father, would you hide this, this preacher behind the cross? And Father, when we walk out of this room, may we not be talking about the events of this week or a football game that's about to come up. May we be talking about you today. Savior, we love you. In your son's holy and precious name I pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We are now just 41 days away from the greatest day of the year. That day, for many of you knowing who are counting down like Brother Shepherd, that day is Christmas Day. How many like Christmas? Would you say amen? amen? Now, for those of you who are in here, and maybe you get upset for those like me who start playing Christmas music in October. For those of you who struggle with your spirituality, let me help you out a little bit. You can never start Christmas too early. In fact, the book of Isaiah began to talk about Christmas hundreds of years before it ever took place. So if you're struggling with getting in the Christmas mood and you're that Grinch up in your mountain, let me help you out today. I love all things Christmas. And if you like Brother Shepherd, you know I like everything, everything there is about Christmas. For the last 10 years, my wife and I, when it comes to Christmas, we don't go to Walmart and buy a pre-lit Christmas tree. Oh, no, my friend. We go up into the woods and we cut down, true story, our Christmas tree. It has almost ended our marriage several times, but nonetheless, Harry, baby, we're getting that real tree. With kids crying and snot going down their nose and freezing cold toes, let me tell you something, they'll have memories, baby. They'll have memories. I like everything there is about eggnog. How many like eggnog? Say amen. Oh. Now, for some of those in the Northwest, I lived in the Northwest Seattle area for three years, and there are some up in that area that they take eggnog and they put Sprite in it. I do believe that is an abomination of the Lord. There are those up in the Northeast that they take their eggnog and they, they, they put just a little bit in a glass and then they sit around and they sip it. Oh no, if you're a Christmas nut, you know we don't want a grande, we don't want a venti, we want the Trenti baby, and we're going to fill that thing up, and we're not going to sip it, we're going to gain 15 pounds through this season, and we'll enjoy those 15 pounds. I love everything about Christmas, I love the music, I love, I love the Christmas movies. I asked the other day, three college students, what's your favorite Christmas movie? All three of them said Home Alone. I, I beg to differ. I, I like Home Alone, but to be honest with you, I'm a little bit old school. I, I really like It's a Wonderful Life. I think, I think that's where it's at. It's a Wonderful Life. I, I'm telling you, I get chill bumps every time I, I see him saying, Merry Christmas, you old beautiful building alone. I'm telling you, Trudy's Pebbles, pedal, Pedals, Pebbles, Trudy's Pebbles. <laughs> Think that's a cereal. Amen. Listen, I love everything there is about, about Christmas. There's one thing I don't like about Christmas. I don't like December 26th. 
in my book, that ought to be taken out of the calendar. How many were born December 26th? Would you raise your hand? Shame on you. And shame on your parents. Why do I hate that day? It's because I feel like we build up and we're listening to our Christmas music and some of you are getting excited about being home and drinking the eggnog and the, uh, the hot cocoa and you're excited about the Christmas smells and the pine tree. And, man, you're just, you're just excited about seeing your parents and the family and the friends and the presents and everything there is about Christmas. You love it, but then isn't it funny that there's this building, building, building and we finally get to it's the most Wonderful time of, and then it's over, and you're like, oh, it's over and it's done. You're on this mountaintop, you go to the valley. And just like that, it's another 365 days until we start counting down again. In David's life at this area, this is exactly where he was. This is David in this story. We all know the story of David very well. And know that David is introduced in chapter number 16 and the first part of that verse is Samuel is crying because in chapter number 15 Saul did not obey God completely and so therefore we know that he was in disobedience towards God and we know that rebellion is the sin of witchcraft and so his kingdom is going to be taken from him. Chapter 16 and verse number 1, we see where uh, there, the prophet is crying about what's taking place. And God says, how long are you going to mourn? Get up and go get me a new king. We see as Samuel steps on the scene at Jesse's house. And there at Jesse's house, he begins to look at all of Jesse's sons. And one after another after another, none of them are going to be Jesse's sons. Or excuse me, none of them are going to be king from Jesse's household. As we look at that household, there were those that you would have thought absolutely this was going to be the king, but none of them were chosen. In verse number 11, we find where then the prophet asked Jesse, do you have any more sons? And the embarrassing thing about that moment is that they forgot all about David. They forgot all about what was, that there was another son that wasn't there. And the prophet says, go again, we're not even going to sit down until David arrives here. And when David arrives on the scene, he is anointed as king. We find in this same book of 1 Samuel where uh, David, after he is anointed king, he, in chapter number 17, uh, goes out onto the battlefield and uh, speaks those words as he sees this, this giant that is mocking his God and mocking the nation of Israel. Is there not a cause? We understand that David began to grow in popularity and because of this, Saul becomes very jealous Saul is out to kill David, and yet David in his life goes on the run, but is still seeing really some miraculous things happen. Even though, yes, he was seeing some valleys each and every time, we're seeing God work again and again and again. The Lord sent Jonathan to give David that great encouragement, that encouragement that every friend ought to be in your life. Chapter number 24, David had an opportunity to kill Saul and when Saul's army came and rested in a cave. But once again, we show the spiritual power in David's life that he did not take Saul's life. Chapter number 25, we see where David really contains his composure and really has still that heart for God even though the prophet is now dead. 
Chapter number 26, we see again where David and Abishai go down into the camp where Saul is sleeping. He has the opportunity to kill Saul. In fact, he is even pressed by one of his men, Abishai, to take the life of Saul. But we see in verse number 10 here in chapter number 26, the Bible says, The Lord shall smite him, or his day shall come to die, and he shall descend in the battle and perish. Verses number 9 through 19, David takes this spear and, and he takes this cruise of water from Saul who is sleeping and he goes up and then begins to yell down, Hey, Saul, hey, wake up, man. Look, I, I, I got your spear and I, I got your water. Understand that last night I could have taken your life, but I did not. Then we see Saul's response to David in verse number 21. Would you look at it with me? 1 Samuel 26 Look at verse number 21. Then said Saul, I have sinned. Return my son David, for I will no more do thee harm, because my soul was precious in thine eyes this day. Behold, I have played the fool and have erred exceedingly. And David answered and said, Behold, the king's spear, let one of the young men come over and fetch it. The Lord render to every man his righteousness and to his faithfulness. For the Lord delivereth thee into my hands today, but I would not stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. And behold, as thy life was as much set by this day in mine eyes, so let my life be much set by in the eyes of the Lord, and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. And now verse 25, Then Saul said to David, Blessed be thou, my son David. Thou shalt both do great things, and also shalt still prevail. So David went his way, and Saul returned to his place. What an amazing victory in David's life in this passage of Scripture. David, and yes, some ebb and flow in life, yes, struggling, just continues to climb that mountaintop. We even see at the end of this chapter that Saul says, You know, David, I, I was the fool. I'm the one that erred. I'm the one that shouldn't have been chasing you. You're right. You could have taken my life. I'm not going to bother you anymore. And at the end of this chapter, David goes one way and Saul goes the other. And if we end the story here, we'd say, man, that was, that was encouraging and amazing. Wow, David was a man after God's own heart. Wow, how David trusted his Savior. And man, I mean, what courage it took for him and Abishai. I mean, there's so many points that we could point out in this passage, but it's not where it ends. In fact, everyone would look at chapter number 27, if you would, with me, and look at verse number 1. And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. Oh, there's nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape in the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any of the coast of Israel, so shall I escape out of his hand. Now, wait a minute. This doesn't sound like the David that we've been looking at chapter after chapter after chapter. Whoa, 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 join the Philistines. A time out, let's ask the question, David, I mean, what brings a man who, when we finish in chapter 26, is on this mountaintop and seeing really a, a, a great victory and hey, we're going to part ways and I erred and I did wrong, I'm not going to chase you anymore, David. What brings a man from that to one verse later saying, ah, there's nothing for me? 
I might as well go join up with the Philistines. I, I got to leave out of here. Maybe, maybe he'll get tired. He's, he's not going to chase me. What, what, what is taking place when we look at one verse to the next? What if we ask the question today, what brings so many Christians in 2018 who were once on fire for the Lord no longer doing what God wants them to do? What takes place in a person's life that you remember two years ago, sang in the choir, taught a Sunday school class, was on a bus route, and now when you see them on Snapchat or Instagram or Facebook, they're no longer serving God. What takes place in a person's life that, man, they, they were once discipling you and they were once teaching you and now they're no longer, they no longer have a prayer life. They no longer in the Word of God. They don't attend church. In fact, in many cases, they are totally against God. What drives a college student to show up on campus two months ago, ready to take on the world, now doubting God's call in their life? mad at everyone and anything that goes against what they want in their life. What is it that takes place that just a couple of months ago uh, there was a freshman that showed up and man, they were ready to learn and they were ready to grow and they were ready to take on the world. They were ready to serve Jesus. They were ready to get in classes. They were excited about their roommates. What, what takes place, excuse me, what takes place in a person's spiritual life to get to a place where they're sitting here today saying, I might not come back after Christmas? Let me tell you something. Listen very carefully. It's more than just a dissatisfaction with your roommates. It's more than just a dissatisfaction at a dorm soup that maybe gave you a demerit you didn't, you didn't think you deserved. It's not a physical. It's not, it's not this. There has to be something spiritual that takes place in a person's life today that they're on fire for God. They're having these mountaintop experiences. They're ready to do something for the Lord with their life. And just a couple of moments later, we say, I don't want anything to do with God, ministry, Bible. I, I don't want anything to do with what, what everybody else does. I, I don't care anymore. What drives a person to have that I don't care attitude? Well, there are several things I would like for you to write down today. Signs of someone who was on a journey from mountaintop to a valley experience. Number one, would you write this down? A lack of prayer. Number one, a lack of prayer. Chapter 27, verse number one, would you look at it? Watch what the Bible says. And David said in... Say that next word out loud. His heart. There is no mention of David calling out to God here. There is no thinking about God. There's no considering God's plan. No, there is a lack of prayer when David said in his heart. David is talking to himself. He came to this conclusion not coming to this conclusion with God, not building a foundation on what God has already done in his life. No, David in chapter 27, verse number 1 said, you know what, I, I think I'm going to say this. I think I'm going to give some plans. There's a lack of talking to God. When you and I start feeling periods of unbelief, we start feeling self-sufficient. You and I, let me help you, college student, you and I do not have the power to fix things. You and I do not always have the miraculous power to be able to come and to say, you know what, this is what I want to do. I need to fix this. I need the finances for this. This has got to change. You and I, watch now, you and I do not always have that power. But how many are thankful Jesus Christ does say amen? amen. 
God is all-powerful. Prayer to our Savior ought to drive us to the realization that He is in control. John chapter 16 and verse number 33 says, These things have I spoken unto you, uh, that ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. That means this, be happy, be joyful, click your heels like we're talking about Christmas. I have overcome the world. That means this, if you have unpaid bills, God has got this. If you have a relationship problems, he can handle it. If you're having problems hearing for God, from God about the future, then stand still and let God move. If you're continually having that sin problem show up in your life over and over and over again, God's got it covered. He's got it covered with his blood. Friend, know today that God is control. What are you and I afraid of? What are you and I holding back for? Why wouldn't we step out? Why wouldn't we go further? Why wouldn't you and I go all in? I'll tell you why. It's because we're communing within our own selves. We're making plans. We're, we're drawing up a course of life. We're, we're, we're marking down where we want to go. We're, we've got that strategic plan. We've, we've got that two-year, four-year, five-year plan. But let me tell you something. There are many today that are just like David. They're not consulting God. They're consulting themselves. They're consulting their friends. They're consulting those who will, who will agree with them. Understand this. If you and I are going to change this culture, if you and I are going to change the world, if you and I really are going to bring America back to the America that our grandparents knew, friend, I just don't want to talk about it. I don't want wishful thinking. I don't want to sit back and say to my grandkids at the Lord's Terrace, well, we could have been there. Well, my grandparents talk about it. No, if you and I are going to get back to changing this nation, we have to raise a generation that is on their knees, my friend. If you're sitting here today and you're amen and you haven't stepped out all semester to be down at this altar, do you really mean it? How can we hear preaching like we heard yesterday and not this, this whole student body be on their knees? I tell you why, because we're doing some consulting within ourselves. We've got some plans within ourselves. We've got concerns yesterday, worries tomorrow. We got, we got too much going on. No, let me tell you something, friend. Let me help you call us here. You and I have to get back to hitting our knees and begging God, Lord, you do what you want in my life. How many, it doesn't matter, man or woman, how many want to be used of the Lord here? Would you say amen? amen. Let me ask again. Man or woman, doesn't matter. Why don't you tune in right now? Listen, if you want to be used of the Lord, would you say amen? amen. If you said amen, nothing, Nothing is going to happen sitting in your dorm room waiting for a miracle. Well, thank you, Brother Shepherd, for that. I really appreciate that. But to be honest with you, I've done all this prayer thing. I've tried it before. And it, it didn't really go over too well. Yeah, I needed some miracles in my life. And God didn't come through in those. I mean, and they were little things. I mean, I asked God for this. I asked God, and, and God didn't show up there. I've, I've already tried that. Hey, wait, 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 wait a minute, brother. I appreciate that, but where was God in my parents' divorce? <laughs> oh, well, thank you, thank you, brother. But where, where was God when my best friend died of cancer? <laughs> I, I appreciate that, brother. But, but I've been praying for a job, and I, I have. I've been up to the. I've been up to the financial office. I've been praying. I've told. I've been praying. Let me tell you something. 
Just because maybe God didn't work the way that you wanted him to work doesn't mean that God is not seated, 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 excuse me, seated at the right hand of God. He's still there and he's still working. Do you trust that God is for you even when he doesn't give you what you asked for? Well, I would ask God, but it's pretty big. Well, maybe it's about time that you and I stepped out and begged God for a miracle. How many believe God can work a miracle? Say amen this morning. God is still in the miracle working business. Bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. Let me tell you something, Kalashua. God is not offended by your biggest dreams or your boldest prayers. He is offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they are insulting to God. And maybe, just maybe, if we are going to have a change, maybe if we are going to change that trend to where we're having more missionaries coming off the field than we are having going on, if we're going to change that trend of, of every day, every single day, they're calling Dr. R's office, we, we need a school teacher here, we need a piano player here, we need a preacher here, we're going to have somebody fill the pulpit here, we've got to start a church here. Listen, we're saying, we're scratching our We've got the campus, we've got the dorms, we've got the auditorium, but we don't have the people. Instead of sitting back saying, well, how do we recruit better? How do we do this? No, I think it's about time our generation got serious about praying for God, praying to God to stop those trends. Amen. Somebody help me out, amen? amen? Like a serious prayer life. It's about three weeks ago. I think right at three and a half weeks ago, my wife could tell me for sure that Carrie got a call from her sister, Crystal, who is married to a pastor in Georgia, frantic on the phone, and said that our little niece, five years old, was in a really bad four-wheeler accident, really bad. The strangest, long story, strangest thing happened that a neighbor and her were riding through and just say all the kids were taking turns. And a true story, a, a four-wheeler jumped some deer and one of the deer charged the four-wheeler and hit the four-wheeler and knocked it over. The way that our little niece landed, she landed in such a way that the four-wheeler came down on top of her, smacking her face, and then the four-wheeler on top and crushing her skull. Broke her skull in several places, peeled open her skin all the way across. To, she had a gash all the way across her face. Broken nose, teeth out of her mouth. She had to be taken by helicopter to an Atlanta hospital. Several days in the ICU there, on breathing tubes down, and had her sedated. And several times, man, it looked grim. At about the same time, I sat right over here. I'll never forget it sitting there, and I had not heard the story, I didn't know anything about it. And Dr. Getch stood right here, and this, this prayer card for this missionary family came up. This lady's name was Stephanie. Two years, her and her husband and her eight kids were on deputation. Two years, they traveled the country. Two years they stayed up late. Two years they were sleeping on floors and uh, in prophets' chambers and in hotels. Two years they traveled raising money to get to the mission field. 
finally on the mission field, I can't imagine. Two weeks into it. Two weeks. You're not even done unpacking. You don't know the language. You don't, you don't know the culture. You don't know anything. But finally, we've been through Bible college. We've raised our money. We have our family. You're there with your very best friend in the world, ready to take that country for the Lord Jesus Christ. Two weeks in, a man walks up to the window and shoots that missionary right in the head and kills him. Leaving Stephanie without a husband, a provider, a preacher, a friend, a confidant. Leaving eight kids for the rest of their life on this earth to be raised without a dad. I haven't needed a real miracle in my life lately. I don't know why God is so good to me. I don't know why I get to be here at West Coast Baptist College. and I don't know why I'm blessed to teach Old Testament. We're standing in this pulpit. I don't know why God's been so good to me. I'm ashamed to say I haven't needed a miracle lately. But I know two people who did. Little Ellie that we haven't seen in over a year now, and the sweetest of sweetest girls. And Stephanie, who showed up on this screen. And there were some that were too busy on their Facebook to even look up and get a glimpse at a lady who's going to struggle for the rest of her life. I didn't need a miracle lately, but I know people who did. I'm not being a braggart this morning, but I'm telling you, I don't think I've ever prayed for somebody who I've never met harder than I've prayed for that missionary lady. You want God to increase your faith? Start praying for somebody else. You want God to move in your life? Why don't you step out this morning and stop making it all about you and start making it all about Him? Amen. We see, first of all, a lack of prayer. Secondly, would you write this down? We see a lazy conclusion. A lazy conclusion. Look, verse number one, look at it with me. And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me. When you and I are living a life that is not dependent on God, we reach bad conclusions. When you take God out of your life, when you take God out of your prayer life, you start believing that there is nothing here on this earth for you. The lazy way out is this, I can't find God's will for my life. The lazy way out is, is, is putting yourself in a position that says, ah, there's, there's nothing really out there for me. But I'm asking you today, are you willing to serve God? And you said, yes, 
then let me tell you today, I don't care if you're struggling with depression. I don't care if you're struggling with the thought that nobody loves you. I don't care if you're struggling with self-harm. I don't care if you're struggling with the sin. I don't care if you're struggling because you have a bad family tree or because you feel that nobody's ever been there for you or because you're struggling with your roommates or you're struggling with the grave. It doesn't matter what it is. If you're struggling today, don't you come to that conclusion, well, I guess there's nothing in life really for me. Let me tell you something, friend. There is something in life for you. His name is Jesus Christ. This is the only begotten Son of God who came on this earth, and He didn't come just to play around. No, He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came here for you and for me. He came. He had a ministry. He took His hands. He stretched them out on an old rugged cross. He took a crown of thorns on His head. He took a cat of nine tails to His back. He took those who came up to His face and mocked Him and scourged Him and hit Him and ripped out His beard. And meanwhile, we understand this is God that we are talking about. I know we say in Scripture He could have called 10,000 angels, but let me tell you something, friend. He didn't need 10,000 angels. He didn't need one angel with a simple glance this way. He could have destroyed everything that He created in six literal days. Let me tell you something, friend. The reason He stretched out His arms, uh, the reason He cried, it is finished, is not so that He can have all this glory. And everybody say, wow, no. The reason that He did it was for you because he loves you and he died for you and he's got big plans for you and it's bigger than the dreams that you have for your life. It's bigger than the little community college. It's bigger than a little certificate here. It's bigger than your dream of climbing the corporate ladder. No, I'm here to tell you when you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, he moves in such a way that I'm here to tell you there's no joy like the joy of Jesus Christ. Don't you come to a conclusion, well, I tell you what, uh, they're going to use so-and-so. I'm, I'm so sick of everybody comparing yourself to everybody else. Who cares about everybody else? You are perfectly and wonderfully made just the way that you are. Well, I wish I could sing like all those ladies up here today. Well, to be honest with you, so do I. But you don't see me on the front line. And Dr. Getsch might have asked me to come and teach and preach here, but as nobody asked me to sing, I'm not going to sit in my dorm room and cry about it. Because I know God's going to use me and the talents that he's given me. Stop being an Instagram troll and wishing you were everybody else. God's got a, he's got a plan and a will and a way for your life. Why don't I have the GPA of so-and-so? Newsflash, you're not so-and-so. Why don't shoot a free throw like so-and-so? You're not him. Well, I wish I could play volleyball like so-and-so. Well, you may never get to play volleyball like so-and-so. Maybe you stink at it. Like me. Nobody's asked me to play volleyball on their team yet. I'm waiting. Coach, I'm waiting. I'm holding back. Been practicing. But I may never be like some of the volleyball players here. That's okay. Do you know there's not another Thomas Shepard in this room? It's just one. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's not another Thane in this room. There's just one. No, 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 there's not another Lutzi in this room. There's just one. There's not another Carrie in this room. There's just one. There is not another Al Stone in this room. Praise the Lord. <laughs> just kidding. I love you, Uncle Al. Listen. It's a lazy conclusion. I want to remind you just very quickly to the high school students that are here with us.
We need you. I like to say this. I don't know who you are. I don't get a list. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying this because the Holy Spirit put on my... It's not even part of my notes. I'm just going to say it. For those of you who are struggling right now and you don't know if you're going to come back after Christmas, don't you have that conclusion in your mind? Well, I don't know if there is any help. I'm sorry. Have you met the Lord Jesus Christ? There's help. Well, I don't know if I'll ever... It's okay. You, you'll be all right. Well, I don't know if I can preach or teach. No, no, no. Don't you come to that conclusion that, well, I guess I'm just do this. I send my heart because, well, to be honest, I mean, there, there, there's nothing better for me. No, there is something better for you. Can I put it this way? Listen, it's not because I work at West Coast. If I was just, if I was just a guest speaker here, I'd say this exact same thing. There is no better life than a life that's lived in God's will in the ministry. There's just no better life. I'm telling you right now, if you ask me, Bill Shepherd, if I could offer you a million dollars a year to leave what you're doing at West Coast, would you take it? I tell you straight to your face, absolutely not. I'm having the time of my life. Yeah, but you're busy and you work and you're this and you're that. College student, that's life. You work no matter where you go. So why not reap rewards for all of eternity doing what God wants you to do? There is this lack of prayer, a lazy conclusion. And number three, and I'll be done this morning, but don't shut your Bibles. Would you look at this with me? There is number three, a looking for relief. A looking for relief. And David said, verse number one of chapter 27, in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. Wrong. Ah, there's nothing better for me. Wrong. Then I should speedily escape in the land of the Philistines, and Saul shall despair to seek me any more in the coast of Israel, shall I escape out of his hand. David said, I'm looking for some relief. I need some help. I've got to change my circumstances. He has not addressed God. He's come to a conclusion that is not God's conclusion for his life, that there's nothing better for him. No, now we see that there is this looking for, I just need some relief in my life. The problem that David shows us here is that when you chase short-term relief, it's just that. It's short-term. Only God has the power to fix your circumstances. College student, you have to stop looking for joy, happiness, relief, and peace, and start looking at the person, Jesus Christ. Stop trying to find your happiness, your relief, and the approval of somebody else. David, well, I, I, I'm not going to find it in, uh, I'm not going to find it here. I'm not going to find it in my friends. And although Abishai was there and was by his side, I, I'm not going to find it there. And well, I've come to my own conclusion because I didn't seek the Lord. I'm seeking my own self. And so really, I guess what I'm going to need to do is I'm going to need to go back to the enemy. I'm going to need to go to the world. I'm going to need to search for something that is going to bring me happiness in my life. And let me tell you something. Before we sit here and condemn David and say, my goodness, David, after everything that God's done in your life, this is the conclusion you come to. This is the relief that you're seeking. This is what you want in your life. I mean, really, David, before we condemn him, let me tell you something. We're all guilty of this. We all have a bad day or a bad five minutes, and we just say, we got to do it. I just got to change this. I just got to do this. I just got to, I, I can't do this anymore. Let me tell you something. Watch it now, college. You better be careful.
that you don't come to a conclusion for your life and your dream and your aspirations without seeking God first. And then when you come to a place where you're miserable, you're out of God's will, you don't have a prayer life, you're, you're where you are not or where you should be. Let me tell you this, before, listen now, before you blame not everybody else to go searching, you better start coming back. You better start looking up. Let me help you. The world is not going to give you what you're searching for. Preach a whole message right there on Solomon. It's not gonna, this world's not going to fulfill that lust and that, that, that liking, that, that money, that whatever it is that you think is going to make you happy. I'm here to tell you, you are deceived of Satan if you think that's going to make you happy. Well, I don't know. I just know a guy, and oh, he was treated really bad in his church, so I, I just don't know if I could be a pastor and really go through that. I'm here to tell you, with Jesus by our side, what can you and I not go through? Amen. Well, I don't know. I, just, I know of somebody else, and they had a really hard time. Guess what? It's called life. We all go through trials. We all go through tribulations. This wasn't a picnic that David was in. But the conclusion that he came to was drawn to where finally he said, I'm looking for relief. And instead of looking for relief and friends that are going to help him or family members or maybe even going to the very source of joy and happiness and peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what he says? You know what? I'm going to hitch my wagon to the lost world. I'm going to go, I'm going to, might as well go to the Philippines. Saul's not going to look for me there. I think we can learn a lot from the life of Jonah that you can't outrun God. David's not going to outrun God. Well, maybe Saul won't look for me. Maybe this is a good plan. Maybe, maybe it's about time that you and I started searching and seeking what God wants for our life. Hey, call us you and tune in. Let's, let's, let's say I'm done. Watch, watch. I think it's really time that you and I, you and I started searching for what God wants for our life. Don't give me an excuse you don't have time. You have time. And you put down Facebook for a little while and put your face in the book for a little while. You know what I mean? I don't, I, Shepherd, I'm so sorry. I just didn't have time for this. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't get this in. I walk in class and, man, you know what they're doing? They're not reading. They're not writing. They're playing a game. Like, look, get off Fortnite for a little while and start searching for God. Amen. He's ready. He's there. Well, I don't know. I just, you know, somebody can floss better than I can. Are you kidding me? Why don't you grow up? Do you know what that is, Dr. Gatch? Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to show you, so. Excuse me. You looking for relief today? Here's the answer. It's right here. Call you, what are you struggling with? you have a hard breakup this week, God's there for you. Fail in the class, it's all right, we'll get you through. God's there. Is your mom or dad going through cancer right now? God will sustain you. Ladies and gentlemen, you have a sin that you sat right down here yesterday and confessed, God, help me to overcome this. And last night you dove right back into that sin. It's too late. It's over. 
No, no, let God and his word show you just how far the east is from the west. Why don't you come back down here today and just, just get it right again? I don't know, Brother Shepherd, I've tried and I've tried. I, I don't know if I can ever. No, no, no let, me, let me help you. Are you ready for this? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Well, I don't know, this is just, this is a really big decision. This is, this is my future. I, I'm really concerned. I'm really worried. Whoa, 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 whoa. Before you start searching in your own heart and come to a conclusion and then you're looking for relief, whoa, 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 whoa. The Bible says, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. I don't know what it's like to have a five-year-old with her face absolutely almost torn off of her. I don't know. Oh, God, I hope I never have to go through that. I don't know what it's like to have my picture put up in front of 800 college students and having lost my spouse. I'm thankful my wife is sitting here today. I don't know what that's like. Some of you, you've lost a parent, a best friend. Some of you, like Ellie and Stephanie, you're struggling. I said, but Shepherd, I'm searching. What do I do? Where do I go from here? I think it starts as soon as that piano player comes up and starts playing. Let's talk to the God of the universe who is there for you and I. From mountaintop to valley, where are you at today? With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, would you please stand to your feet today with every head bowed and every eye closed? Would you please stand to your feet? I wonder today, with heads bowed and eyes closed, how many would say, Brother Shepherd, I'm struggling. I don't know. What do I do? Shepherd, I, I need some answers today. If that's you with heads bowed, eyes closed, would you slip up your hand? Would you slip it up? Yeah, wow, all over the room still. Would you slip out right now? Would you just come? Just right now, just slip out, just right where you're at. I wonder how many tell you to say, Brother Shepherd, my prayer life is not where it should be. Maybe right now you just need to slip out for the first time this semester. I don't care who's in your row. Walk around. Well, there's a lot of book bags. Step over it. Come out. Let's, let's, let's talk to God. Excuse me right now. Just move. How about a high school student, a youth pastor? Lord, what, what do you want me to do with my life? You're here for college days. Why don't you step out right now and just say, God, here I am. I don't want to come to a conclusion for myself. I don't, I'm looking for relief. I'm looking for your will. Why don't you step out and say, God, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Which the piano begins to play today. Would you stop just right now? Pause, whether sitting, kneeling, or standing. Would you do business with God? Oh, Savior, I need you. God, forgive me for searching in other areas. I've been looking, God, and meanwhile, you've been right here the whole time. Talk to him. Don't you look at these past circumstances and come out bitter. No, you get better. Let God work through you and in you. 
Stop looking in the rearview mirror. Well, Saul was chasing me, and now this, that. I don't know if he's going to keep us. No, no, no. You put your hand to the plow and move forward today. Forward. You know why? We need you, young person. We got to have you. Would you talk to him? Oh, he's willing and waiting. His arms are wide open. He sees your tears. Would you talk to him?